data-driven, ambitious, and love all things marketing? I'm Emma. I've dabbled in all marketing channels in my career. And my passion? Providing my team with the tools to be the superstars. So, I'm making a podcast to share everything I've learned along the way, from my bachelor's internships to early career in marketing to becoming head of international marketing by age 29. Plus, everything I wish my 20-year-old self had known. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, get your snacks ready to go, and let's do this. So this marketing podcast is going to navigate all challenges and channels to help young marketers, startups, or people at crossroads in their marketing and don't know what to do. I'm going to be talking all through my business school, eight years experience in the field, and to help you get the answers that you need. We'll be discussing the ever-changing marketing landscape to help you make the decisions on the paths as you go. We'll have some special guests throughout, including a content manager talking about the shift in content in the past year, as well as an SEO freelancer navigating a career whilst travelling the world using sites such as Upwork. Plus, of course, I'll ask them what they wish their 20-year-old self knew. So starting with this episode, it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be about my why... And there was two pivotal, I wish I'd have known moments that were pretty poignant. One was in a beachy cafe in a Sydney suburb and the other was in a taxi in Manchester. And they both form part of my story. So let me take you back to my story, my why and my intro. After this podcast will be strictly marketing only, but this is just so that you can get to know me a little better. So let's dig in. So we're going to start this story when I was 16. I was a pretty normal kid. I was doing my GCSEs just like any other 16-year-old in the UK. The only thing that was slightly different was I was playing a lot of tennis, up to two to four hours a day. On weekends, I was travelling the length of the country to different tournaments. And in the summers, I'd be in Europe playing tennis. After my GCSEs were over, I had to make the decision, do I carry on at the school I'm going at and do my A-levels Or do I pursue more tennis and go to a tennis school, which meant that I could still study at the same time, but play four hours a day of tennis and two hours a day of fitness? I decided at 16 to move six hours away from home to the other side of the country for a tennis school. I hated it. During those two years, I moved to two other tennis schools and was pursuing different academics at the same time. I did my AS levels and then I moved on to a BTEC and didn't complete my A levels. Now during those two years I was playing with semi-professionals. It was a really stressful time because I would have to go to 6am sessions and I just remember praying that I wasn't the worst on the court after hearing some boys groan when they saw me turn up because they didn't want to play against me. During those two years, it was pretty obvious that I was not going to be a professional tennis player and I just didn't know what to do. I didn't want to be a failure. I'd spent so long on court that I didn't just want to walk away from it. And I'd heard about tennis scholarships to go to America and I knew that was my in. So I took my SATs. I had to travel all the way to Edinburgh. I think I did it twice. I think it's about a three-hour exam and it's mainly maths and English and maths was my least strong subject at school and then the other part to get a scholarship is you have to send a video of you playing tennis to schools in America and I remember that we only had time to shoot my video once and it was definitely not my best video but the coach wouldn't let me redo it so I sent it off and crossed my fingers and hoped that someone would pick me. It took six months 
and I got a tennis scholarship. It wasn't anywhere glamorous like New York or LA. It was actually in the hills of West Virginia. But I'd never been to America. It sounded great and very countryside. So I was off. Now, when I arrived in America, there was two incidents during the first two weeks that pretty much shaped my career to this day. So the first one happened on court. It was our very first tennis session. All eyes were on me. I was the scholarship kid on the block. Not only that, I was the first ever British girl at that university. And I really wanted to impress my coach. She'd taken a risk on me and I just wanted to be the best that I could. So we lined up on the side of the court to do sprints. And I had flashbacks to all those time in the UK where all of the boys would beat me. And I was just so determined not to be the last. So I sprinted my heart out. Luckily, I wasn't last. But on the very last sprint of the very last session that evening... I sprinted full pelt and I nearly ran into a lamppost. Now, don't worry, I avoided the lamppost, but I didn't see right by the foot of the lamppost was a a stray ball and I landed straight on it and as I fell down, I heard all of the ligaments in my ankle go. So I'm laying on the floor looking up at the stars and all my new teammates who don't know me run over to me, check if I'm okay. And I knew it was really bad, but they didn't know me and they didn't know that I was um, not an overreactor or a hypochondriac and it really was bad. My coach sort of said, just get some ice on it and we'll see you in the morning. I didn't have the heart to tell her that no ice was going to fix this. Sure enough, the next morning rolls around and I can't even get out of my bed because my ankle is three times the size, black and blue and some horrible shades of purple. And I had to get the athletic trainer to my dorm to help me and with crutches. That was set me out at least six weeks. I had to go to the physio every single day and he said it would be longer than six weeks, but I just told my coach, oh, it'll be six weeks, I promise. So six weeks rolls around and there was a lot of pressure on me to get back onto court because I they needed to do the seedings for who was going to be what number. So I just sort of battled through and I still remember to this day playing one of those matches and I just had tears in my eyes because my ankle was so painful and I couldn't push off on it, but if anybody hit the ball that wasn't right to me I lost the point during that time I was waiting for my paperwork to come through from the NCAA I'd already missed six weeks of tennis and I could not wait to get out there for our first match even though I knew I'd be rusty I thought it's better that I'm at least playing and showing my worth as a scholarship kid everyone else's paperwork had come through and mine hadn't come through and I remember thinking this isn't good like my friends I had friends around the country that were in other tennis schools and they'd all got theirs and then I got the letter saying you are ineligible you only get two years and I just remember my heart sinking and I was like but how it's so unfair and there was a mess up in my paperwork and they'd misunderstood something and thought that I was a professional tennis player Let me just caveat this, I was no means a professional tennis player at any point. We of course appealed it, it went through the lawyers and we were really fighting that whole first semester to give me four years eligibility. And during that whole time, I couldn't play in any of the matches. So not only had I busted up my ankle, so I couldn't really play with the majority of the practices, but I couldn't also add any value on match days. So it wasn't a great start to my scholarship career. Just before that first semester, we got the final word from the lawyers that I would 
only get two years eligibility and there was nothing they could do about it and sorry. Now this was a huge blow not only because I wanted to play tennis but also because what it meant for my academics. I'd elected to do my degree in business with a focus in marketing and management. Because I was an overseas student, I didn't qualify for any student loans or any financial help. So without the scholarship, I was in a really bad position. This was really daunting because it was about $8,000 a semester for the fees alone. That didn't include housing, food, living expenses, flights over, nothing. And I was at such a crossroads because... Also, I couldn't go back to a UK university because I'd done my SATs and I hadn't done my A-levels because by that point, I'd known that I wanted to go to American University. So I couldn't see a way out. So I decided that I was going to do whatever it took to graduate early so that I wouldn't have to pay all of that money in my final year. I marched on into the head of business school's office who had never met me before and told him I was going to graduate early, I was going to be a full-time athlete that whole time because even if I wasn't eligible, I still want to do my part on the team and go to the practices and I was going to do it. And he looked at me like I was crazy, said nobody's ever been a full-time athlete and done business marketing management at that school. But I laid out my plan to him. I said, I'm going to get two jobs on campus I am going to take double the classes of everybody else as well as committing to being an athlete. During the summers, I promised him that I would get two jobs and I would do an internship to help my employability and I wasn't going to let him down. Somehow I convinced him and then during the next two and a half years, I worked my socks off because in America, they're four-year degrees. Fast forward, I graduated in December 2012, a semester early. I was second in my graduating class, I graduated with high honours and I was the student scholar athlete of 2012. This most certainly set me up for my really high work ethic and it just showed me that I can achieve what I wanted to achieve even if it's not the normal route. And a huge caveat here is that I was super average at school. I was never top of the class so to get second in my graduating class I was so proud because it just showed all of the work that had gone into it. Now it's a bit different in America you graduate the day after that you finish your classes so you finish your classes on the Friday and then the Saturday you're in a cap and gown singing the American national anthem and graduating and I was in such a bubble because my head and my focus had been to graduate that I had not looked at next step at all. Some of my professors were talking about graduate programs and do you want to take a master's? Do you want to go straight into business? But it wasn't a lot and it was just really chatter. And I didn't know where I wanted to go. Did I want to stay in the US, the UK, Australia? I didn't know. I remember to this day leaving campus for the last time with my mum and my sister and I was so upset. It had been my, my home for the last three years and I was just wasn't ready to leave. And I also, as I said, didn't have a plan. So three days after I'd graduated, during a a holiday in Florida to celebrate my graduation, I decided I was going back to the US. I wasn't ready to leave and I wanted to go back to West Virginia. All my friends hadn't graduated yet. They were all still in university and I just didn't know what to do. So in the January of that year, merely two weeks after I'd graduated, I went back, I had nowhere to live, no plan, 
no family out there. I had less than a thousand dollars in my bank account and I just had my resume. I didn't have anything else to go with. It makes me laugh now because I am so not the no plan kind of girl. All my team knows I love a plan. I love a schedule. That's why I went so much into event marketing in my early career because I love to be planned with everything. But nope, I got on the plane and just didn't look back. So as I got to America, my friend very kindly let me stay in her college dorm room for two weeks, which was highly illegal. And again, I am a stickler for the rules, so I can't believe that I did that. And every time anybody walked past, I'd like hide and I'd be so scared that they would catch me. During that time, I was doing one hour job searching, one hour watching Team Mom, one hour job searching, one hour Team Mom. I then moved off campus to another fam- another friend that I'd met at university's house and they let me stay there for a month or two. It got to February 16th of that year and I finally got my first graduate marketing job. Now, this was tough because I was going up against not only recent graduates, just the same as me, but I was on a work visa and my work visa only lasted a year and the stipulation with that was that it had to be in the field that you graduated So, of course, I'm not very appealing to any employers because I have a shelf life, whereas the Americans didn't have a shelf life. Got my first job in downtown West Virginia as a marketing associate for an interior design company. I had to then find an apartment that was in walking distance because, of course, there was no public transport in West Virginia. I didn't have a car, so I had to be able to walk there. So I had The start of my journey of six months of pretty miserable work and no life balance. I literally walked to work and walked back from work every day, completely on my own. I had to rely on my friends driving down from university to take me to Walmart to get anything from the shop. I had to get up sometimes at 5am and to do my laundry, I had to go to the laundromat. So I had to walk with my laundry and it was a 24 hour laundromat, but I didn't want to do that when everyone was awake. So I'd literally go at 5am the half an hour walk there and sit and do my laundry before work and then I take it to work and just put it in the corner. Needless to say that didn't last very long and six months later I was on a plane back to the UK. I was all out of sorts, everybody was still at uni and I didn't know what to do. So two weeks later I found myself flying to Australia for an internship and I'd got that via a contact from my UK internships that I'd taken throughout the summers. So it most definitely paid off. So for the first six months in Sydney, I had a view of the Opera House with the Australian Olympic Committee getting ready for the Sochi Olympics. It was so fun, my real job, and I really felt valued. Now, after six months, that pesky visa ran out and you can't work in the same job for more than six months on that kind of visa. I was not ready to go back to the UK so I found a beachy suburb in Sydney and decided that I was going to be a waitress. I found a beachy cafe where it was a a 6am breakfast shift job which nobody really wanted because all of the backpackers were working in the nightclubs. And I loved it. I had such a great time serving the locals their avocado and eggs every morning. And it was a really nice way of life. What I wish my 20 year old self had known was to not feel guilty for not using my degree and just doing a job that just suited me for the time. I learned so much and it was just really enjoyable. It was in a it was in a really low stress environment and 
I wish that someone had told me, it's okay, you don't have to use your degree. Because that whole time I had in my back of my mind, but I'm not learning any marketing, but I'm not in the world. It's gonna, the industry is gonna go ahead on without me and I'm gonna be so far left behind. And really what I learned about myself and just having that break from from being really into a high stressful situation was so much more valuable. And I still look at it now with fond memories and I definitely wish that I could still go back and do that. After six months, my pesky visa ran out. I also had a lot of that guilt that I was talking about. And so I'd said to my parents, I would do a master's in the UK. I didn't really know what to do my master's in. I knew that I wanted it to be something to do with marketing maybe. I decided that I liked building relationships and I was very social and outgoing. And so I decided to do my master's in PR with a focus on digital marketing. So I did this in Manchester University, Manchester Metropolitan University. And again, I was having to work lots of different jobs to be able to afford to do that. It was something like two and a half thousand pounds a semester. I had to literally had to find accommodation within a day before the course started because I landed literally right before it started. And my second pivotal moment happened during one of my last semesters. So I was doing temp jobs where it was like you got a text in the morning to say, hey, do you want to come and work this waitressing job? It's four hours. It's wherever it is. It was about £12 an hour. And I remember this one evening, it was a four hour job in a Marriott in the centre of Manchester. There was nothing unusual about that. That's just one of the jobs that, that was pretty normal. But the job finished at midnight and I remember walking out of the Marriott. Obviously, it was pitch black and I would usually get the one pound megabus home, which was about 20 minutes out of the city centre. And then it was about a 10 minute walk home from there. But I decided I didn't really feel safe to do that because middle of the night and I just didn't want to put myself at risk. So I decided to take a taxi home. It was a black cab and it was £22. Plus, add into the fact that I'd had to buy black trousers for that waitressing job. I actually didn't make any money. I actually lost money that evening. It was just such a waste of time. And I was thinking, no, there must be more efficiency to this work-life balance. It just seemed so ridiculous. So I made a pact to myself that evening that I was going to look for a job the next day. Even though I was still doing my postgraduate degree, I thought, "Mm, I need to get out of this. And so two weeks later, I found a job as a e-commerce trading executive for US sports for the NFL, the NBA and the NHL in their retail leg. It couldn't have been a job that was more made for me because I loved the NFL. I had to also make a pretty big decision then because if I wanted to take the job, it was full time and I still had one more semesters of my master's. Now, this final semester was meant to be writing my dissertation And it just didn't sit well with me. I was going to pay two and a half thousand pounds to write a paper. There was no other classes that semester and then hand it in and to be graded and then to be awarded a master's. I made the decision to cut my course early and to graduate with a postgraduate diploma instead of fulfilling my master's. And I sort of at the time remember thinking, does this make me a failure? But let me tell you all now, I do not think my master's has helped me personally get any job that I wouldn't have gotten. People were much more interested in my bachelor's as well as my internship, as well as me as a person and my integrity, my passion and my work ethic. 
So I wish my 20-year-old self had known, well, I was about 22 at this stage, that it's okay not to finish because I had that other route that I was going to go and actually I'm where I am now because I started so early doing my marketing career. That started my journey of my eight years in the marketing world, going from CRM to websites to even at that time when I was building out emails, it was still very HTML code based. So I remember sitting up at night trying to learn HTML. Also, we had a dabble in social channels, Twitter, Facebook, there was no Instagram or TikTok back then. And then I moved into event marketing and project managing and I have done PPC and content marketing and copywriting and I think probably the only channel, oh and sponsorship and influencers and now I'm at the stage in my career that I am doing marketing strategies and budget and looking at overall expansion but I've absolutely done the nitty gritty in pretty much most marketing channels. The only one that I can think that I haven't done too much on is SEO, but that's why I'm drafting in my friend for that episode because she is incredible at SEO. That is enough about my intro because I'm going to go much more into the marketing channel specifications as we go through this season. Plus, I wanna talk a bit more about I've done a bachelor's, as I said, a master's, real life marketing and online courses. And I'm going to give you my advice on what I think is good, bad and not worth the time in all of those areas. There is plenty to come. So you have made it to the end of the Marketing Nuggets podcast pilot. Thank you so much for listening. I promise this will be the only one that doesn't have any marketing nuggets in. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to my Marketing Nuggets podcast. I've been your host, Emma, and I will catch you next time. Bye for now.